Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Healthy Perspectives podcast. Thanks for joining us for today's journey, and I hope you enjoy. All right, all right. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we appreciate your time. Today, we're going to get into it real fast. Uh, I want to talk about the tension between forgiveness and accountability. In light of all this negative stuff that has happened in our world, and there's always negative stuff happening in our world, uh, I got to thinking about what about that tension that exists between accountability, like really holding people accountable. You know, if somebody robs your house, how do I forgive them and hold them accountable? Right? There's a tension between the two as if they could not exist together simultaneously. But in reality, they can. So that's what I'm going to get into. Start with forgiveness. It's always uh, important that when we talk, we talk a similar language. So I'm going to go ahead and define forgiveness. Uh, as I often will work with clients, these, these are definitions that I have formed over years and years of clinical work. Um, and, you know, you can go and you can look these up online. You can come up with a lot of different definitions. Uh, I, I've chosen these, the wording that I choose here uh, purposefully. So let's get into it. Forgiveness. It's the acceptance of the person in spite of hurtful behavior. The whole idea there for me, just so you know, the, the reason that I define it that way is because it's a separation of the evil from the person that stands in front of us. It's one thing to say they are evil. It's another thing to say they did something not healthy or evil or bad. It's a totally different meaning. When we separate the person from the bad and say, you could be a good person and do something bad, it gives us the room the space for forgiveness. So I also want to go into what is the process of forgiveness. All right, the process, number one, is acknowledge the hurt at the time or the issue at the time. Now, if we can't do that, we have to do it as quickly as we can after the fact. So in some cases, we don't figure out the hurt or the, the issue that we have caused for years. But the moment of that realization, we have to acknowledge it. We have to acknowledge it. And we don't have to acknowledge it with the other person. We have to acknowledge it with ourselves. I'll explain more in a little bit. The second thing in the process of forgiveness is infuse empathy. We have to infuse empathy. That's the attempt to see the world as if I'm the other person. Now, knowing that that's a failing proposition, if you've listened to other podcasts that I've done, we won't get that one right completely. But we've got to be making an effort to infuse empathy. And that effort by itself does allow us the space to begin the forgiveness process. The third thing is a reconciliation. And sometimes that's a reconciliation that we do internally. In other words, I'm going to forgive them for hurting me. And I'm never going to speak to them again. We can do that because that's called a boundary. A boundary is totally different. We can forgive and not forget. We can forgive and not hold it against them and not be mean. We don't have to be mean. We can forgive ourselves when we screw up, knowing that I did the best that I could and I screwed up. 
I did not realize how bad that was going to hurt that person. So forgiveness is not just a forgive someone else. It's often a forgive ourselves. And here's a little reality in that part of the process. We cannot make someone else reconcile with themselves or someone else. We can't do it. It has to be a choice that the person makes for themselves. So us forcing reconciliation, look, we can throw somebody in jail, throw away the key. That doesn't make them forgive somebody. We could let them off the hook and let them roam free after doing some absolutely heinous crimes. That doesn't make them forgive somebody. We have to decide it for ourselves. Okay, so that leads us to accountability. Accountability, by definition, is a willingness to accept responsibility or to account for our own actions. I think it goes a little further than that. Um, I think it also accounts for others' actions. It doesn't mean that I am the best judge in the world. Matter of fact, assuming that I'm a terrible judge is usually a better stance because it, it makes accountability easier. I'll explain why to that as well in a little bit. Accountability has a process as well. Accountability is all about reality, not fantasy, reality. It's not about desire, it's reality. The accountability process, the first and most important significant thing in accountability is acknowledging reality, not desire. I may want something to come across a certain way. But my tone, volume, and cadence, my paraverbal communications, may project that in a way I did not intend. It doesn't mean that the reality is, because my intentions were good, that I did a good job. My intentions can be good, and I could do it poorly. So acknowledging reality, not just our desire or their desire, we have to acknowledge reality. Acknowledge number two in the accountability process is acknowledge our part in reality. And that would be, you know, I put it on a scale from healthy to unhealthy. And that's my preference. Um, I I would recommend that. I think that's a good way to do it. Uh, Acknowledging our part in reality acknowledges where we did things well and where we did things poorly. Acknowledging, number three, is acknowledging others' part in reality. Again, it's that healthy-unhealthy scale. They may have good intentions, but the presentation was unhealthy. Okay, so we forgive them for the presentation, and we talk to them about the presentation being a poor presentation, but the intention behind it, we're acknowledging that too. right? We have to acknowledge the good and the not-so-good. And then the fourth, and I kind of led into this, but we praise and reconcile. We reconcile the parts that we did poorly or that they did poorly. In other words, we provide feedback to ourselves and to others. And we praise the parts that were good. It seems pretty simple. So now I've covered the forgiveness, forgiveness process, accountability, and the accountability process. Where is the tension that lays right in between? I can tell you with certainty that it's about the mindset. Now, some of you have probably heard this. This is sort of, uh, 
I don't know, in the mental health world, it's pretty common language to talk about mindset. I'm going to tell you a little bit about mindset. There's really, there's two things that we're going to break it down into. One is where the mindset goes awry, where where we become locked in and unhealthy, closed, and where we are open, curious. All right. The first one where we are closed, it's one of these four things that we typically see. Better than, that's the mindset that I'm better than and therefore. Worse than, I'm worse than and therefore. I deserve, it's the idea that we deserve more than food, water, shelter, air, and love. Not necessarily. I mean, I would like you to have more than those things, of course. But at the bare minimum, those are the needs. So, and then the fourth category, the need to be seen as. This is what happens in in the social arena a lot. We project out as if we are something that we are not. We need to be seen as strong and powerful. We need to be seen as as meek and, and small. We need to be seen as smart. We need to be seen as dumb, incapable. Look, all of those things are need to be seen as. There are people that fall into, many of you may not even understand that part. I don't know. But the truth is there are people who don't want to project strength because they are afraid that projecting strength is going to uh, close them off from a social arena of some sorts. So the need to be seen as. So better than, worse than, I deserve or need to be seen as. The reality of all of those is they pin us down. They pin us down. And the other side of the mindset is curious. It's that simple. Open to understanding. Open to learning. Open to feedback. Open, open, open. And what that openness is, is an openness to reality. Not what I want the reality to be, but what reality is. Curiosity keeps us open to the possibility that it may not be how it looks. That's super important. I think before I go, I know this is this is looking like it's going to be in a, a little bit on the shorter side this time, um, but it's very precise. I do want to leave you with some red flags of when we get close-minded. I'm going to leave you some red flags there because the solution is get curious. But the red flags, I think you need to know what some of them are. All right. These are cues. When you see these things, these are cues for you to get more curious. Ask more questions. All right. Number one, justification. When you begin to justify your stance, I think you're getting a little close-minded. And that that also falls into that category. Some of you have heard me talk about confirmation bias in the past. That's where it fits in there, right? That's us trying to confirm our bias. We're justifying it. We're saying, oh, I know because. Okay, the second one, defensiveness. When we start to defend our position as if our position is more important than any conversation we could have, that's a problem. That's a red flag. Blaming. When we redirect the focus and we point at something, 
Like, oh, hey, you did this. And because of that, I'm doing this. That's a blaming situation. That's a red flag that we are close-minded. Open your mind. All right. The victim game. When we start to see the victim game being played out, the victim, persecutor, rescuer, when we start to see that game, that is a red flag that we are closing our minds. In that game, you only have one outcome, and that is what we call, like I call it, listen anyway, drama. It's unnecessary drama. It's a, it's a stance of weakness, not a stance of strength. We want to take a stance of strength and the strength meaning it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's not okay to be closed-minded. We won't get stronger if we are closed-minded. That maybe in fact I did hurt that person. So when we see the victim game, that's definitely a red flag. And then the last two are opposites, um, but I'm going to point at them. I want you to take these with you. And that is when you find yourself minimizing your behavior or their behavior or maximizing, exaggerating your behavior or their behavior, then you know you are in a stance of close-mindedness. You are trying to see it the way that you want to see it as opposed to the way that it is. Now, all of this is based in reality. So don't forget this. This is very important. Emotions can distort reality. So if you're going into a conversation and you're emotional, you have to leave room, usually in the form of time, for you to think through because the emotions are going to distort it. And you've got to both process that with your heart and your mind. One or the other is going to be insufficient. If we block off the heart, we're missing information. If we block off the mind and go all emotional, we're missing information. So give yourself space and time when you experience emotion. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I know this one was a little bit shorter, but as always, I appreciate your time. Please leave us feedback. Tell a few friends about us and we will see you next time.